Today, we explore how body postures used during trance states help to inspire awareness and facilitate healing. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Possibilities. I'm Cheryl Sitz, and our producer Mario Rosales is here beside me. We welcome you back to another episode, and we hope that this will help to expand your world in some really useful ways. Right now, we can use all the help we can get. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us episode after episode, especially our most loyal listeners. We appreciate you so much. And if you do find value in the show, please stop by and show us a little love on our website, journeyofpossibilities.com slash support. Thank you for that. And you'll also find all the archived shows. There's like 275 shows back there now. So plenty to listen to, lots of good stuff, and it's all timeless wisdom. That's the neat thing about it. It doesn't matter when we did the interview, it's still applicable today. And joining us in just a moment, we have Dr. Nicholas E. Brink. Hi, I'm Mario Rosales. I am the producer of Exploring Possibilities. I actually do IT work. I do website design. I do uh, remote support. You know, one of the things that I've been having recently, I've been working with people that are on Wix. And at the beginning, even I had the idea that Wix wasn't that powerful. But as I started working with it, I found out that there is so much more in there that we are not taking advantage of. We're not taking advantage of its database functionality. We're not taking advantage of their autoresponders. And a lot of this comes included for free in some of their packages. I've learned the system very well to the point that I can train you on how to do it. Or if you ask me to to do some complicated task, I can design it for you within Wix. Then after I'm done, I give you the training on how to use it. And then if you have any troubles, you can always call me. Thank you. I am Mario Rosales, and you can reach me at MarioRosales.com. Let me help you out wherever I can. Thanks. Nicholas E. Brink, Ph.D., is a clinical psychologist and certified teacher of ecstatic trance through the Kuyamungi Institute. Today, he joins us to discuss the process and potential of ecstatic trance, as outlined in two of his books, Trance Journeys of the Hunter-Gatherers and Ecstatic Soul Retrieval. Now, you can pick up a copy of either one of these books through links on this podcast, and a small gratuity comes back to us in support of the show at no cost to you. Isn't that great? Dr. Brink can be found online at www.imaginalmind.net. He joins us today from his hometown of Coburn, Pennsylvania. Hi, Dr. Brink. Hi. My hometown now is not Coburn, Pennsylvania. It's uh, High Falls, New York, which is in the Hudson Valley. Oh, you moved from the last date I picked up well, on you. Two years ago, I moved up here to Hudson Valley. So. Good for you. I hope it's been a good move for you. Yeah. Well, the beauty about technology is it doesn't matter where in the world we are, we still get to connect for the show. Isn't that great? That's great. I thoroughly enjoyed your books. I love exploring all the possibilities, hence the name of the podcast. But at the end of the day, we need practical skills that we can use in our regular lives for growth and for healing. And that's exactly what you bring through in these books. Right. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about how you first dove into these postures as powerful tools to use within your psychology practice. Okay. I'm basically, I'm retired as a psychologist. I've been retired for probably uh, 10, 15 years, and ecstatic trance has become my um, major interest. Back in, uh, I guess it was 2004, 2005, somewhere in that ballpark, I was the president of the American Association for the Study of Mental Imagery. I was invited 
uh, I was uh, organizing our annual conference. Someone in the group said, oh, you need to get uh, um, Felicitas Goodman to be our keynote speaker. So I contacted Felicitas, and, and she said uh, sh she would do it. But then everything fell apart. I was going to be done at Penn State University, and they really did not get the brochure out for the conference until way too late. Not many showed up, and so the whole conference was canceled. But in the meantime, I read Felicitas's book, um, Where the Spirits Ride the Wind. I'll first start off by giving you a little story about her. She was born in Hungary, educated in Germany, and became a, it was a real linguist. She learned about 20 different languages uh, uh, when she came to this country. And she came to Ohio State University, and there she uh, became pretty popular in terms of translating literature for different uh, professors and research projects. She was became a translator. But while she was there, she met this um, anthropologist who was really interested in a static trance. And this anthropologist was studying the static trance in like 180 different primitive cultures around the world. So Felicitas uh, decided to work on her PhD in anthropology. And for her dissertation uh, in studying a static trance, she realized that speaking in tongues in the apostolic churches was a form of a static trance. So she went to Mexico, where she uh, studied the uh, what brought about the trance experience in the apostolic churches of both Mayan-speaking and Spanish-speaking churches. And she concluded that there were four major features of the, the, of the uh, service, the worship service, that brought about speaking in tongues. One was a belief that there was something special and important in being able to, in this case, speak in tongues. Two, uh, it was done in a um, special sacred place. Three, there was something um, done in the service to quiet one's mind, and that was prayer. And four, there was the rapid stimulation of the uh, to the nervous system, which was the rapid clapping in the church that brought about the trance experience. So she came back to her students at Denison University and created a um, more indigenous ritual that included those four steps. One was um, the um, talk discussing what trance was all about, what a static trance was all about, and what were the, some of the benefits, and that it was not a crazy experience, but it was a normal experience. Two, um, the sacred place, she... Um, used smudging and calling the spirits of each direction to identify the space that the that this was happening in as a sacred space. Three, she quieted the mind by having the person follow their breathing for about five minutes in silence. And four, she used drumming or rattling. Um, I have, whoops, I have my rattle here. A fairly rapid rattling, uh, like about uh, 210 beats a minute, roughly, so it's fast, uh, to bring about the trance. Her students uh, went into a nice trance. She discovered it was effective, but the trance was very undirected. Something was really missing. And uh, somewhere along the line, she read an article by V.F. Uh, Emerson, a Canadian psychologist who was studying 
um, uh, different meditation postures, like the lotus posture and the um, other postures that were being used in different forms of meditation, and um, discovered that the posture had a direct effect on the um, experience in terms of breathing rate, bowel motility, skin moisture, all these physiological things he, he was measuring and had a direct effect on it. So a light popped on. She figured, well, how about if um, she was sure that the shaman of, of, of the hunter and gatherer cultures had different postures that they used. So she uh, went to uh, museums and art books of, of these different uh, primitive cultures, and she found about 50 different postures that she believed uh, were uh, being used by the shaman. Um, and she had the students sit, stand, or lay in those postures. And sure enough, the students uh, they gave direction to the experiences, and it made a lot of sense. Some postures were for um, um, bringing in a sense of healing energy into the um, person's body. The um, logo for the Kuamungi Institute is the bear spirit posture, where a person is standing with their hands on their lower abdomen, following their breathing. And in the in the uh, the uh, bear spirit posture, there's a a wooden carving uh, wooden carved bear hugging the person. And this was from the northwest coast of uh, Canada. It's fascinating to me to look at all the different statues in the book, where all the postures came from. And you go through many case studies of how these postures help direct people. I I really want to attach, now go into how you describe in The Power of Ecstatic Trance, that it's basically a three-step sequence that that people can go through for transformation, that they do a divination posture to define the problem or answer the question, and then they do a journey into the underworld or their unconscious mind. I'm taking this straight from your book to find the solution or answer. And then they do an initiation death rebirth posture to integrate deep within that solution to, to their answer. So, That's the static soul retrieval um, procedure, yes. which is sort of a, uh, a side thing from the static trance. All the postures are healing postures with different ways of doing it. Just quickly, I'll go through the seven different postures. One is the bringing in the healing energy to, into the body. Another one is uh, shape-shifting or metamorphosis, where you become your spirit guide. In each of these cases, uh, we often we're looking for a person's spirit guide. Uh, three, there are the divination postures, where you're asking a question and you're trying to find an answer, and the posture gives you the, um, the, the answer. Then there's the three spirit journey postures, one into the underworld, one into the middle world, and one into the upper world. Then there is the um, death rebirth posture, or the initiation posture. And we have now, I don't know, I, I work with maybe 180 different postures. I mean, we've really expanded the postures, and, and we've sort of identified which postures work for each of these seven different areas. So, yes, but then I, um, basically what happened is uh, I was also on the board of directors of the uh, International Association for the Study of Dreams, and there at one of the conferences, I the first time I ever really used the postures, I um, 
had a group of about 18 uh, people from the conference, and I was able to go over four days, go through eight of the different postures. And I was so impressed with how the postures brought about the kind of experience that Felicitas Goodman said, said they brought about. That it got me excited, so I came home and I started a group at home. And then um, and I had questions, and so uh, I finally met Felicitas, I mean, um, Belinda Gore, who was a student of Goodman's, who really sort of mentored me and got me to become a certified instructor and had me go to the Institute. But in going to the Institute, um, uh, I, I went to, I've been there like a, a six, eight times. And one of the times, um, Key Salman from Germany was leading a group on the static soul retrieval. And you just mentioned the, the three uh, uh, postures that she used for that. That was my uh, real introduction to uh, the idea of soul retrieval. Up to that point, we realized that each person that used the postures found some benefit, some some sort of healing benefit from any one of the situations. So um, um, after I um, uh, went to the workshop with Key Solomon, I realized how um, what she did was so parallel to to um, hip, um, hypnosis or um, the analytic hypnotherapy which use basically the same, um, not postures, but they use the same language to uncover in a different, in a similar way, the, the lost, the, um, the loss of soul retrieval. And so that's what sort of brought me to write the soul retrieval book. And both books are really fascinating. I'm curious, how would you envision when you're putting these books out into the marketplace that people will bring this into our daily lives or into our practices? Or are you visualizing people using the postures for at-home meditation or in group work or how? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel it's most beneficial in a group setting. And I've had, uh, I don't know how many, I've lost track of how many different groups I've had over the years. I have collected about uh, over well over 3,000 trance experiences from people that have been part of my groups. And that's what's been the source of quite a bit of my writing. The um, Yes, people could do it individually, but I think that initially it really is um, much more effective that there's a group that really reinforces the experience. I have two Zoom groups now that uh, people are welcome to join. There's no charge for them. We we have a Zoom group on Tuesday evenings and another Zoom group on Friday mornings. And we have people from across the um, the world. We've had from Germany and and England, and I had one person from Australia for a while and British Columbia. So that, that we have a real nice um, group, and people are welcome to join it. We we, we often have like as many as 12 or 14 people in the group. So people sort of come and then they go. So um, I really feel that this is important beyond just personal self-healing. I really feel that uh, after a few sessions, the person really re- goes beyond that healing and it reaches out to uh, the universal mind to uh, bringing in information from beyond the person's subconscious. And I, th- I really feel that this is very important 
in terms of healing the earth, of, of the um, fact that we're in the midst of this uh, global climate crisis. I think so many people uh, are looking at the climate crisis as, well, if we could cut down on carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, if we could recycle, looking at these concrete things. But I think what they're missing is the way they look at life and the way they think about life. And I believe that a static trance really helps move a person in that direction to again become one with the earth. I think the big difference is, is that we um, look, uh, we had we had this attitude that um, growth is everlasting, that it's desired, that there's no end to possible growth. But from nature, that nature has this whole model of uh, of birth, life, death, and rebirth. That that whole need to to have the death. There's a cycle. And I think our culture ignores that cycle. I think maybe the, the, the death that we're going through now in terms of global warming and the COVID is the death of a cycle. But to be reborn, we have to look at life very differently. We have to go back and look at life as our hunter and, hunter and gatherers did in terms of being one with the earth, realizing that all life on earth is interdependent. Exactly. They, and when we when we get a spirit guide, I, I my favorite spirit. I mean, what is what is a spirit guide? A spirit guide is, to me is the most common one you experience is your nighttime dreams. It may be your younger self, it may be somebody else. Those are all spirit guides. I think that when we do a static transit, we really move towards finding spirit guides between beyond those. Often animals. I have my room here is full of figurines of of my different spirit guides. I probably had about 20 of them. You weave coyote through one of the books. I think it's this trance journeys or one of them at the beginning of each chapter, you speak with coyote again. Can you tell me why you chose coyote to weave through that book? One of my experiences very early was um, a a coyote came to me. He was challenging me. He was uh, giving me a hard time. And I realized that he was one of my spirit guides. I needed to listen to him and see where he was going to take me. Um, my earlier spirit, but the bear, I, I, I have prostate cancer. The bear became a real uh, healing spirit guide for me in terms of my cancer. I have, and each of my spirit guides came from these different trance experiences. So I think they're, they're very important in terms of this journey into the into the uh, new world, into the age of Aquarius, into whatever we want to call the world that we're going into, um, these spirit guides really are very central in terms of our finding oneness in this new uh, new life. So for anyone that's not familiar with the shamanic journey, which I mean, I think a lot of our listeners are because we do a lot of shamanic work on this show, but to work with a spirit guide, for me, that's to look at what they can teach me about how they live and how they commune with one another and with the world. And it helps me with this understanding of the interdependence that is our reality on earth. How would you recommend, in addition to that, that people can work with spirit guides and call them in and win? I think as uh, spirit guides happen in, in our groups, each, uh, one of the guys this morning um, had a, a penguin as his spirit guide. It was uh, it came to him in the spirit, and, and it was very powerful for his experience. I think we have so much to learn from these spirit guides, 
And when they become your teacher, how can you think of yourself better than they are? You become sort of one. You become equal with them. And I think that is a very important part of this, of how we need to change in, in order to save the world. Yes, you were um, speaking to that a moment ago. I love how you talked about how we need this shift. We really do see ourselves as having dominion over the planet. And from that perspective, we take the resources that we want and we command our will over the planet. And that to me is not my understanding of our role as having dominion over. That's a responsibility. That's a caretaker role. That's how can we help to preserve the natural balance that earth wants to maintain and, and, take our place in it without disrupting that. And we have a lot of work to do in that area. You speak a lot about that in your books. Definitely, yeah. I think it might be useful to look at, um, go beyond to see what benefits there are to a static trance. Um, you've read the, the uh, Soul Retrieval book and also the, the static trance journeys of the hunter and gatherers where I look at how can we reconnect with the animals. But I think there are so many different benefits or so many different directions that a static, a static trance could take us. One, my first book was, was just the, basically the healing uh, of how, it, how we could heal from it. I have a real connection. I, I have found over the years, I have a real affinity with Nordic mythology. And I, 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 I don't have any real direct evidence that I'm Nordic, I'm more German and, and English, even though I had a, uh, a g genome test that showed that I had a gene that over 50% of the Sami reindeer herders have. But I have really gotten into looking at mythology. And um, one book is when I was really connecting with my ancestors. And I found that um, Balter's Magic, this other book, really gets into my connection with my ancestors. Then I went beyond that, and I the myth of Beowulf is very powerful, and I think in, in this I really got in touch with the spirits of the earth of southern Sweden and of uh, Gamalila in in uh, Denmark, where the stories of Beowulf took place. I really feel like I connect with the spirits of the earth. And I think static trans could take you to so many different things. So many different areas of the world, and like I said, to ancestors, to the spirits of the earth, to a healing, personal healing, to healing of the culture. Uh, it's, a, it's a very broad area that uh, these trance experiences, and not not just a static trance, but you you've had experience with so many other uh, shamanic ways. I think the, uh, uh, the static trance is just one way that I personally got connected to. I really appreciate and value all of the other ways um, that people are using to find, to find it. Uh, there's so many of them. So I'm eager to use some of these postures with things like breath work and, and the drumming and just, I can see how it would all play together and enhance the experience. One of my favorite things that you say about the postures is that we don't really have to understand it. We just get into the posture and it intuitively takes us there. Why does it work that way? Do you think, is it in our cellular memory somewhere in our DNA from when we were all hunter gatherers back when, or how is it that our body knows where to take us? From As a psychologist, I so often was very sensitive to the nonverbal communication that a person 
would exhibit in a therapy session. And when I look at each of these postures, if I ask that question, what is it communicating non-verbally? I, I, I see it in the posture. And so I think, yeah, I think it's sort of inborn, but really the posture really brings in so much more than just words in therapy. And talking in therapy, yes, but, and I could watch the person's posture in therapy and, and, and gain a lot of information about the person. But when that person puts themselves in a certain posture that expresses certain feelings, those feelings become much more alive more quickly within the person. So, so I think that, that, that new dimension to using postures, if I was still practicing psychology, I know I would be using these postures quite regularly in a therapy session. And, and, uh, oh my, um, and I've done a little bit of that in my most recent book, um, Loki's Children. I do just that. It's, again, it's from the Nordic myth myth, but I really find that, that the, um, um, having the person sit, stand, or lay in the posture really does bring alive other dimensions. It brings the person more totally into the therapy session. It brings the whole whole body into it. And as you said in the books, before they were even open to understanding what you were doing with them in your practice, you would just ask them to sit a certain way or lay a certain way, and they didn't even need to know that it was an ecstatic trance posture for it to work. So it's beautiful to me that it's accessible to everyone, whether they're open to shamanic or Nordic or any of that. I think it's important for us to also have some universal tools in our tool belt when we're working with people that we can ease them into those postures or practices, and and they can reap the benefits without needing to know any of this. Yes. Again, I agree with that. I think uh, the postures I first used are postures that are much more typical. I mean, you think of psychoanalysis of the person lying on the couch. The underworld postures are, are postures where you're lying down. So if I wanted a person to really go into their unconscious mind, I would have them lie on the couch. One of them is you have your hand on your, on your forehead, your back of your hand resting on your forehead. That's sort of very natural. For them to look for an answer to questions, there are the uh, the divination postures, and some of them are just sitting very erect with your hands on your knees, looking very attentive. It's a very natural posture, so I will suggest that. Some of the postures that are a little bit uh, uh, more unusual, I will wait and not use those until I'm able to open up and tell the person about... (coughs) about the where the postures came from and what they mean. I, I will, will not talk about that initially. Most people that come to therapy really maybe are intimidated or, or don't think of the, uh, the things as shamanic. Or, but as they, as they grow, as they open themselves up, they see more and more. Div- so the, the, the person that first comes is fairly restricted. They're, they're frightened by anything that's different from them. But as they begin to open up, they begin to appreciate more and more diversity. And at that point, I could bring in the use of, of these postures to open their minds to this diversity, which is something that our culture needs. We need to appreciate diversity. Right now, politically, we see how diversity is really a frightening thing to a lot of people. Yes, it is. Well, you mentioned in the book that you've done the bear posture pretty much 
you start with the bear posture as a place to get centered, to stand with your hands on your on your abdomen. And you you mentioned that that helps people who have anxiety just to stop and get centered for five minutes and to breathe and to stand in a position of power like the bear posture does. So that's a great one to just share with anybody. Right, exactly. And so often in teaching relaxation exercises, I would have the person put their hands on their lower abdomen uh, so often people who are suffering with anxiety are breathing from their chest and their ribs are much more rigid. And so bridge, uh, breathing becomes difficult and that's where they often get that feeling of panic. If they learn to breathe from their abdomen, more like a baby would breathe with their hands on their abdomen, that's much more relaxing. And so the bear spirit posture is, a, I, I wouldn't call it a bear spirit posture initially. I would just have them put your hands on your abdomen and, and breathe from your abdomen. Uh, again, as they, as they open up to greater diversity, yes, I will introduce them to the idea that this is a bear spirit posture. I think this work is just fascinating. You mentioned before we started that you're working on a couple more books. Can we get a little glimpse of what's to come? What's next in your coffers? Okay. Um, one is I've been around the uh, my travels to Peru and to Sweden, and uh, I have one where I look at the spirits of, of the land of where I have traveled to. And I find that brings alive, that really enlivens your travel. Uh, on these trips, I would often do a static trance twice a day, in the morning and the evening. And it really opens up a whole new uh, dimension to traveling. So I don't know if you're familiar with uh, uh, um, Barbara Han Clow. Uh, she wrote the she wrote the preface to that book, but she really has gone to so many of the spiritual places around the world and really finds the real power in those spiritual places. That's one. Oh, another one in terms of going going um, into mythology, like I did with Beowulf or with Grendel and Baldur's uh, 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 Magic. In Baldur in Baldur's Magic, there is a well, one of the Nordic goddesses is Edun, and she has her garden, and uh, the garden provides healing fruit for the other gods. The Garden of Edun, and I thought, well, there, there must be a real connection to uh, Christianity. And then I met Matthew Wood, uh, an herbologist, who. Um, really looked at the seven stories in the book of Genesis and really saw how that brought about real change and real growth. And, and so I had my group go through seven sessions of, 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 uh, we, we, re, 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 uh, I would read the story of the seven, one of the stories of the seven books of Genesis and then have them experience in a static trance. And it opened up a whole new door of where, uh, what, what those scriptures really mean. Oh, I mean, I think typically we, um, the um, modern day Christian looks at it as, as a sort of concrete history of what's going on. But this takes it to a real metaphoric, uh, much more shamanic level, realizing that these stories were uh, first told by the hunter and gatherers, and they're much, much older stories than as reported in the Bible. That was sort of a very... I was really sort of surprised where it did take me. And Matthew has two books uh, that does a similar thing, but he's, he looks at it, one from uh, p particular herbs 
bring about the, the, these different levels of understanding. And then the other one looks at different forms of meditation. So um, he's going to write the preface for this book. That's two of them. Uh, a third one, I have been busy with um, medicinal herbs. We have an acre here, and we have a lot of medicinal herbs. Traditionally, the hunter and gatherers knew how to listen to these plants. They, they, they saw the plants as their spirit guides. And a couple years ago, all of a sudden, I started realizing that, yes, plants can become my spirit guide. So <clears throat> I have been going out and sitting before uh, each of these medicinal plants and listening to their story of what they have to offer. And again, I have, I, I have found it useful to use four postures. The first posture is the divination posture, asking the plant, what can it teach me? The second posture is the uh, one of the healing postures where you have your hand over your heart. So I will take a piece of the plant and have them hold it over the heart, the Chilton Spirits posture, and see what, uh, in other words, falling in love with the plant. The third one is I will use a um, shape-shifting posture. And one of the shape-shifting postures, you have your hands on the ground in front of you, but I'll have you ha have them extend their fingers out like roots. In other words, in that posture, I become the plant. In other words, marriage, I become one with the plant. And the, th the fourth posture is a, um, a, a, um, di a divination posture of where I let, I mean, not, not divination, um, um, death rebirth posture to where after, after you're married for a while, your life does change. Part of your old life dies and you have a new life. So, again, that, that, that fourth connection to each of the medicines. So, uh, plants brings about that change. So, I will have a person uh, face the plant over a week or two using these four different postures to really become one with the plant. So, I think that that's another way of, 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 of discovering the healing powers of the plants. I think when you look at medicinal herbs... You look at them, and so many people look at them as our common culture, where they ask the question, well, what should I be taking for this disorder, or what should I be taking for that? They're looking at the same pharmaceutical way. They're not really listening to the plants. Yes. And so I, I, I really feel that this could open us up to listening to those plants. Oh, I can't wait for that book and the travel book. I, I, I'm hooked on your books. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be reading even more of them. I love what you're bringing through, and and it's so timely. This is, it, we're ready for this information now. So I really appreciate all the time and the energy that you dedicate to continuing to learn and expand and share as you go. All these beautiful skills and ways that we can grow and expand our understanding and connection to this world. It's a beautiful relationship we have with all life on this planet. The places that you talk about, the energy of the places. I've been to Peru and I tell people, I've worked with the plant medicines down there in ceremony. And I say, I don't want to work with those plant medicines here. I want to go to Peru and work with those plant medicines because Peru has her own medicine that she gives me when I go there. In addition to what the plants give, there's this medicine that is the land of Peru, and it's a wide open heart medicine. So I love that you're going to talk about how we can better connect with the places that we're in through ecstatic trance and these different modalities to really hear the messages from the plants, from the places, from life. Well, that's uh, so true. And there's so, to me, that's, that's 
unlimited. There's so much more to learn from these trance experiences. And that's why I love to lead these groups, because uh, from the groups, things keep opening up. So if, uh, if your listeners want to uh, uh, join the groups, they they could contact me and I could give them the Zoom link to be part of the group. I had uh, two groups right here in the Hudson Valley for uh, a, a year or two. Then along came COVID, so we stopped meeting in person. And that really opened up this whole new world of Zoom. And this could be used. We could do this on Zoom. That's wonderful. And I'm grateful that we have the technology to be able to connect because we need that connection. We are all connected. And I think it's been really hard for people to isolate and feel so disconnected. So I'm grateful that technology can help us connect that way. So for anyone wanting to find out more about this, your website, imaginalmind.net. We can... No, that's that sort of a, a thing of the past too. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, that's very been very inactive. I'm working on a new website. I haven't got it developed yet through work. I'm learning how to do it myself. Good for you. Uh, I had a webmaster do it, and I didn't have any control over it. So that may be a thing of the future. I think the best way would be to um, connect with me on on Facebook. Okay. um, I have regular uh, weekly blogs blogs on my Facebook site, Nick Brinks Books. Perfect. Uh, And and, uh, also I have another website website on uh, Nick Brinks Book Reviews, Nick Brinks Books Reviews. So those two sites have quite a bit of information on them. Wonderful. And my email, uh, they should feel free to email me at uh, uh, brinknick9 at gmail.com if they're interested in... uh, um, exploring this farther and going and coming to one of our Zoom groups. Well, thank you for correcting. All the information I got was incorrect, so thank you for updating me. So now we can get the right word out there. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I'm so excited to know that there's more good books on the way. I've really enjoyed visiting with you today. I love to ask my guests, do you have a parting thought that you'd like to leave us with today? For our culture to, to survive, we need to go beyond our way of thinking into a new way of thinking of becoming one with the earth, of again regaining our connection with all our spirit guides, all of the animals, and that life is is a cycle from uh, from birth to death to rebirth and not something that's uh, going to continue to grow. To me, that's become a very important um, thought in terms of where my thinking is going. That's very wise. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. This has been a wonderful visit. I appreciate all that you are and all that you bring through to the world. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to the show. Let us know what you thought. You can do that at journeyofpossibilities.com. We love your feedback. And please join us next time for another episode of Exploring Possibilities.